So today, as we do start our series in the book of Acts, um, it's very intentional this year at City Heart that we'll develop a plan of how we intend to see us grow in maturity as we seek to grow here at City Heart in number as well. That as we journey together through the book of Acts, we will see how this movement begins with Jesus and how he works through ordinary people like you and me by the power of his Holy Spirit. That if you want to look at movements that have been sustained throughout time, you would know that Christianity is no fad. That there's no, this is no latest trend, so to speak. But rather, this is a worldwide movement that has spanned for all of time. That this movement has changed hearts and has changed us as individuals and has also transformed nations. That in a world that's full of movements that are competing for your attention, Christianity is the only movement that will last. That many people will look to find significance in the movement they belong to. But Christianity is different because our significance as Christians isn't in any movement, but our significance comes from our Saviour himself. Our significance isn't in what we do, even as we think about Sign on Sunday that we'll talk a bit more about later this morning. Our significance comes from who we are as a people, that we are God's people, not because we have done anything special, but because he saved us through Jesus' death and resurrection, that our significance comes from who we belong to, not what we do. What we do expresses who we belong to. And today, as we start the book of Acts, we will journey chapter by chapter as Luke writes to Theophilus, as we saw in the Bible reading, in this sequel to Luke's gospel. We will see that as Luke wrote at the start of Luke's gospel, it said this. It said, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word had delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And then if we look for similarities and we have a look at the start of Acts, he writes this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That we see Luke is recorded both in Luke and Acts an accurate eyewitness accounts of how Jesus interacted with people, how Jesus saved people and how Jesus saved people from their sins. And now in Acts, how he empowers people to continue this movement of seeing more and more people know the God of the universe. 
That as Luke writes to Theophilus, he's showing how this movement begins with Jesus and continues through the work of his people, particularly the apostles as we look through the book of Acts. But also how this work explodes right across the world and that explosion, as we saw in the video, happens at about chapter 8 in the book of Acts. But this morning as we begin this journey together, looking at the birth of the early church, church and how the Spirit has worked through God's people, we will see as Luke writes to Theophilus, he writes in a way that grounds this account in truth, highlighting the many proofs of the resurrected Jesus. That we see in verse 3, it tells us, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That despite the people trying to perhaps imagine away the real facts and proofs about Jesus, the truth is, well, it's inescapable. That if Jesus' death and resurrection was on trial today, the evidence would be, well, overwhelming. The amount of eyewitnesses that are willing to testify. But before this gospel explosion takes place, we see that again we are reminded about the promise of the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. Have a look at verse 4 with me. It says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, obviously, Luke is recalling events before the Holy Spirit is poured out, and we will see that happen next week in chapter 2. But here in verse 4, we see that in verse 4 and 5, Luke is echoing Isaiah 32. He's echoing Ezekiel 36 and Joel chapter 2. And we see in those verses, it says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, pointing to the Holy Spirit coming. And then in Ezekiel 36, it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And then also, lastly, in Joel chapter 2 from verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Which again is pointing to this anticipation of the pouring out of God's spirit. That this isn't something new that maybe Jesus introduced when he physically came to earth, but rather this is a fulfillment of prophecy that has been anticipated for years and years. And we'll see that more and more in the next coming weeks. And as we continue looking at chapter 1 in Acts, we see the ascension of Jesus, don't we? Now, when we talk about Jesus, we talk about his life in four sort of key stages of his life. And number one being his life, everything that he did here on earth. And then we talk about number two, his death. And then number three, his resurrection. And sometimes we miss out number four, which talks about his ascension. 
So have a look with me again. Have a look at verse 6 where it says, So when they, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. That just before Jesus leaves to be at the right hand of God the Father, his disciples have this one final question about the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God's people. And his response is simply, well, you don't need to know when that will happen. That the appointed time is known by God the Father and we don't need to worry or concern ourselves when that will happen. We need to be concerning ourselves about spreading the good news of Jesus. And also, just on a side note, if perhaps you come across someone that they say they know when Jesus will return or they've calculated something out when they know that Jesus will return, well, there's two options there. They're either God or they really just don't know what they are talking about. If we read the Bible, we can be aware of these things. Have a look in verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That Jesus goes and he promises the Holy Spirit to come upon his people and they will be witnesses of the good news of Jesus, first to Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then to the rest of the earth, one day making it to little old Australia so that you and I can know God through Jesus. And then once these promises have been fulfilled, once these promises have been made, we see that these disciples, they watch Jesus he, as he physically ascends to the right hand of God the Father, where he is right now, where he's ruling and reigning in power. Have a look at verse 9. It says, And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That as the disciples, they witness the ascension of Jesus, they are told how Jesus will return. Not being born of a baby again, like his first coming, but he'll return in the same way that he left to go into heaven. And this is entirely consistent if you read the last book of your Bibles in Revelation. That is consistent with Scripture. That I'm sure you've seen probably on the news that many cult leaders emerge across the world claiming to be Jesus. And the best way to not get caught out by these people and their lies is to read the Bible for ourselves. Listen to it for free online if you want, if you're not much of a reader. The Bible is the authoritative word of God, not me, not some prophet or someone who claims to be Jesus, but the Bible as it speaks the word of God. But as we saw in the passage that Jesus' emphasis here is on the followers of Jesus being his witnesses to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. This is the number one thing that is needed in our world over anything else, isn't it? That others can know the love of God shown to us in Jesus. 
And as his followers, like the disciples, we too are to share this good news with those around us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect at it. No one is. But the role of Jesus' original disciples and the role for his disciples for us today is to witness to others about that how they too can know the love of God, how they can know the good news that Jesus died on the cross in the place of sinners like you and me, and that he rose from the dead, conquering death, and that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father and is there right now, completely sovereign, ruling and reigning until he returns in the way that he left. And as the disciples and those with them wait for their outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we see in this morning's passage that they are devoted to prayer. In verse 14 it says, All these, with one account, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That as followers, as a follower of Jesus, no matter what time you put in your life, that you probably think that prayer is important and that we probably could devote ourselves more time to prayer as we seek God's will for our lives, as we seek to be witnesses about the good news of Jesus. But as we keep going through the passage, we see that Peter, who was told by Jesus in the Gospels to feed his sheep, meaning to take care of the disciples in a sense, Peter is in that upper room and he says this in verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share of this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with a reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So we see, if you look back to Judas's betrayal, that it itself was a fulfillment of prophecy, that we're reminded about these events surrounding Jesus' death and resurrection, and that was spoken about in Scripture before it even happened. Obviously, in the Gospels, we see the fulfillment of that scripture. But also, it's kind of graphic and straight to the point and probably true Peter style as we get to know Peter when we read the Gospels. But as he points out that it is necessary for them to find a replacement for Judas, they needed someone to make their number complete. They were only 11 now after Judas's betrayal. The number 12 in Jewish culture has this notion of completeness. So as when they were 11, there was this really significant sense of them being incomplete. They needed someone who can witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, someone who can witness from the day that when Jesus was baptized by John to the moment that Jesus ascended, someone who experienced and witnessed Jesus's complete ministry. 
Now, as they select a replacement, they are again deep in prayer, aren't they? Have a look at verse 24 with me. It says this, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And then they do something that seems, well, it's a little bit weird for us. They cast lots. They roll the dice. Here they have two candidates to replace Judas. But here as they cast lots, as it's written, it doesn't seem to be putting a negative view on them casting lots. But rather what they're doing here is removing all the politics and leaving it up to God to ultimately unveil his will. But on the same note... It doesn't seem that casting lots is a pattern of selection after the Holy Spirit is poured out. That we see further ahead in chapter 6, those who were appointed were appointed after prayer alone. And then in chapter 13, where we see Barnabas and Saul are appointed after the Holy Spirit had spoken and prayer and fasting took place. So this appointment by casting lots seems to be a one-off and Given the significance of this decision, you kind of understand. However, it's important to note that, again, this 11 are now restored to 12, that they, as they seek to lead the larger group of Jesus' followers, there is now a sense of completeness once again. But for us as Christians living in 2021, we watch on as this movement begins with Jesus and we see that over the coming weeks, that momentum gains, and we see what it looks like to be part of this movement of God across the whole world and how it moved through time. That the big thing we see critical in this movement is prayer, isn't it? Prayer seems to be the big priority in the lives of the people of God in this worldwide movement. That as God's people, we are to be a people of prayer. That in this first chapter, we get a snapshot of the life of the early church as this movement continues in its beginning stages, as it begins in prayer. That as we see the enrollment of Matthias into uh, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, we see that the community of God are to seek God, to show them the way. And that is a big part of our prayers here at City Heart as we ask God to show us the way as we look towards the next 10 years and what City Heart will look like now and what it will look like in 10 years, that we need to be seeking God in prayer for that guidance. So this morning in the opening chapter of Acts, we've seen such a strong commitment to prayer, haven't we? As God works through his people in this movement that we know as Christianity, and that we see in its beginning stages that there is such a commitment to prayer. And it gets me thinking about how much of a priority that prayer is in my own life to stop and reflect how often am I praying? What am I praying about? How does this reflect in my relationship with God? Now, I don't know what it's like for you, but I feel convicted by the passage this morning, not only to be praying more, to, to be praying and asking God for guidance more and more, 
not relying on myself, but relying on God. Relying on God to help me be a witness, to help all of us be a witness to the goodness of God shown to us in Jesus. That this morning's passage should leave us with this sense of enthusiasm, thinking, well, yeah, I could be seeking God's will more than I'm currently doing. That this is an encouragement for us as followers of Jesus to be seeking God's will and how he would use us as individuals and how he'd use us as a whole at City Heart to be witnesses to the love that he has shown us and that he has shown the world through Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Acts chapter 1. We thank you for how you worked through the early church. And we thank you that you are an ultimately sovereign and in control over all things. Lord, as we look on and we see our own failings, and as we see the failings of our brothers and sisters in the book of Acts, we know that you're in control. We know that it's you that holds this movement together. We know that it's you that holds our future in your hands. Lord, we thank you for the life, the death, the resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for the saving work that it does in our lives. And Lord, we ask as we think forward, as we think forward through this year, as we develop ministry plans, as we think about the future of City Heart, we ask that you would give us all wisdom and guidance that you would help us share the good news with those around us, that not only would you grow us deeper in relationship with you, that you would grow us in faith, but Lord, we ask that you would grow us in number as we seek to see more, more people know your love. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite Rob forward. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. Um, yeah, with our prayer life and that, we're going to have a look at a little bit of that. Uh, we, we normally at this time uh, take up a collection, but uh, through COVID-19, we can't do that. There is a little wooden box at the front door there that you can put your collection in, or otherwise, um, if you like, you can do it electronically. Uh, the banking details are on the church bulletin. If you are visiting today, please don't feel obligated to contribute. Let us pray. Oh, and after that, uh, we'll be going to a pastoral prayer as well. Uh, Father, let us pray. Faithful Father, thank you that you give the gift of abundant eternal life. You have said that you are a God, a good Father, who gives good gifts. Your, generos your generosity overflows to us. Everything we have is a gift from you. We bring our offerings to you. We give back to, to you from the abundant blessings you have given us. May our gifts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honour and power and strength be unto you, our God, forever and ever, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Right, we're just going to go to a pastoral prayer now. Um, there are a, have been a few added ones as well. And so um, 
As we reach out to God in prayer for those in need, we know that you, Lord, are full of compassion and mercy. Let us come before the throne of grace as we pray for others. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are, you are, great, you are a gracious Father, clothed in majesty, you are mighty, yet you save us with mercy. And in your presence we come and we pray for others. We pray for our witness as a church in our local community that we will have all the conviction uh, and courage to seek to share Jesus with our family and friends, neighbours and anyone we meet. Thank you, Lord, for those who are part of the community outreach group and Brecky team, and we pray for them, for, for many people who are nurtured through this contact. We bring before you Reverend Walter Jones of St John's South Toowoomba, that he may have a full and speedy recovery after suffering a heart attack on Thursday, and for his family who support him. Thanks, Lord for continually blessing baby Rose and her family. Also, we continue praying for her and the healing, uh, for her healing and for her family as well. We pray for Stuart Houston as he searches for work after completing his university studies. We also pray for Michael Houston as he enters the last week of his three-week teaching placement at Kelvin Grove State College. We pray for inspiration and wisdom for SU Easter Camp directors as they plan upcoming camps. Thank you, Lord, for uh, uh, genero generous provision over the mission of SU Queensland. We bring before you, Lord, those of our congregation who have ongoing health issues. We continue to pray for Sue and Brodie's Parks friend, Helen, with terminal cancer, uh, that you will find comfort in their care and support and also come to know the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that OMS South Korea missionaries, Alex and Tracy Banks, have their flight plans confirmed for the 25th of February to return to Australia. We pray that the mandatory quarantine that they will need to undertake will go smoothly. We also pray for Chris's son, who's had an accident too. We pray for a speedy recovery from that. Another one is too, is Vodi, an American pastor. He's in Africa at the moment. And we just pray that um, things will be able to come through, that he'll be able to get back to the States and give him a full lot of recovery back to health. Loving God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thanks for your goodness and your generosity in giving us all we need. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'll hand it back over to Mark for ministry spot. 
So just a few uh, things that we've been talking about the last uh, few Sundays, if we flick on to the next slide today, is sign-on Sunday. And just on the desk over here, I have some sign-up sheets for those who are interested. Now, I know many people are already involved in serving and probably maybe even serving beyond their capacity. But if you would like to this morning and thinking about 2021 and how you can be involved at City Heart, have a look at the desk. There's a list of uh, service opportunities opportunities that you can put down and perhaps if you want to be involved and don't know how you can be involved you can just put your name down and I'll get in contact with you and then we can think about how you could be involved in serving more in 2021 here at City Heart. So that's sign on Sunday. Um, if you've got any questions come and ask me after the service. I just want to also take a moment to thank all the tech guys that have helped set up things this week as well because there's been a lot of work going on in the background as well. So many thanks to those guys helping set things up. But now as we come to the end of the service, we're going to sing our final song. I'll invite the musos to come up now. And our final song is Psalm 23.
pray just to be to finish. Father God, we thank you for all that you are doing in and through and among us here at City Heart. We ask that as we go forth into our weeks, that we will be people devoted to prayer, devoted to seeking your will for our lives, and living that out by sharing the good news of Jesus with those we come into contact with. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.